Hallelujah. We are going to turn over to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. We're going to look at verses 7 through uh, 15 this morning as we look at the sermon titled, The Role of the Holy Spirit. Do you know the Holy Spirit has a role in your life and my life? And we can either accept that we can reject that. And this morning we're going to look and see why it's so important that we allow the Holy Spirit and why we need in the hour that we live in as we pray, we need to pray, God, let the Holy Spirit be turned loose and be able to move like you desire it to move because that's what's going to make the difference this morning. Hallelujah. If you've got your uh, word turned over there to John chapter 16, Uh, Verse 7 through 15 says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. And this is Jesus speaking. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and ye see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. He, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will shew you things to come. He shall glorify me. For he shall receive of mine and shall shew it unto you. And all things that the Father hath are mine. And therefore said I that he, the Holy Spirit, shall take of mine and shall shew it unto you. Let's pray the role of the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, I pray that mighty God, that you would open our eyes. And God, most of all, that you would, Lord, let your Holy Spirit, God, be able to move in such a way, God, that you would be able to deal with not only our lives, but, oh God, that you would be able to move on a nation again. That you would be able to move in the families that we're praying for That you would be able to move in such a mighty power that God, just as you did in Acts, you would sweep through, that you would blow, that you would stir, that you would have your way, Almighty God. And that God, that you would, God, turn our hearts, Lord, back to you because of what you're able to do through the power of the Holy Spirit. Do it, Lord. Let us not grieve the Holy Spirit, but let us hunger for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The role of the Holy Spirit. You can be seated this morning. Hallelujah. Yes, we, we, we need Christ. We've got to have the, the, the salvation that comes only through Christ. But the Lord is sitting here and He is talking to His disciples. Now, they're not happy right here. They're tore up. They're starting to realize He's getting ready to leave. And that's not what they thought was going to happen. This is not the plan they had, but He's telling them, getting ready to leave. And this is, I've, I've fulfilled what God has had me to do. And he's trying to tell them this. And he says, but now listen, what I've got for you, you need to pay attention because it is so important. And it says in that verse 7, it is expedient for you that I go away. That word expedient means it's to your advantage. It means there's blessings that's waiting, that's just waiting to be poured out. And if I don't go back, you don't get them. And so I know all things. And see, the, one of the things is the fact that 
uh, it's important that we realize that one of the, the, the reasons that he went back to the Father, of course, to be exalted and, and, and to be lifted up, and he is our Savior and he is our salvation. But Jesus, when he was on earth, he took the form of a man like you and I. And he was limited in one body. And he was able to be in one place at one time, even though God, the Father, and the Holy Spirit is able to be anywhere and everywhere at one time. Jesus limited himself, was 100% man, 100% God. And he's saying that I need to go back because who I'm sending to you, we're going to see a few things he says about it, it's to your advantage. And one of the reasons is, is because he can, uh, he can be everywhere at one time. He's going to be inside of you, living, not just talking to you, not just uh, you come and see me in the morning, but he's going to be living inside of you And when I pour him out. And he also tells us about the Holy Spirit. Don't do anything without him. You know, what is the card that says don't leave home without it? Is that American Express or whatever it is? Don't leave home without it. Well, listen, if that's true with a credit card, how much more is it true? Don't leave home without him. Don't leave home without the Holy Spirit. It says in Acts, it's not in the, on the scripture list this morning, but Acts 1.8 tells us that to tarry you, it's talking about in the first chapter, uh, uh, actually, it's not Acts one eight. I'm sorry, but that's not. It's not in this. But he says to tarry you in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Okay, so he's. It's so important that he says, don't do anything without the uh, uh, without the Spirit in your life. And then he says that you, not only that, but he says before we get into our looking at it in depth, that also we see that uh, he says that he will reside. The Spirit will reside in you. Yeah. Continually, He will never leave you. He'll never forsake. It says John 14, 16 is up there. and says, And I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another comforter, that He, the Holy Spirit, may abide with you forever. That's the wondrous thing is that not only are we washed and cleansed by the precious blood of Jesus, but God will put His Spirit within us that remains within us and He's working and He's moving and He keeps stirring and He keeps trying to help you on a daily basis. If we allow Him to live within our heart, He's going to be with us forever. Now the Lord is saying, it's important that I go away because you don't know what you're going to miss. And, and, and we're going to see that everything that He does is because of Christ and Christ is the one doing it. So I don't li- I'm still right there. But I'm going to, you're going to be manifested through the power of the Holy Spirit. So this morning we're going to look at just three. Sometimes you get five, six, seven. So it's just three. It still may take a few minutes, but it's still three. Three points we're going to look at today. What is the role of the Holy Ghost? Why is it important to you today? The first one is so important, and this is one of the reasons we need to pray. We keep praying for people that are lost. We keep praying for our nation. We keep praying for God to move. How will he do that? He does it through the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to see first, the Holy Spirit exposes sin. The Holy Spirit. You, if you're here this morning and you've been saved, it's because... The Holy Spirit exposed sin within your and my life. That we seen that we were sinners. All of a sudden we need a Savior. And so we see that it exposes sin. That word there uh, uh, that in that verse 8 says, And when He has come, He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. That word there, reprove, means to convict, to expose, to bring to light. This is just like the prosecuting attorney in a case that stands before a judge and is standing there and you're hoping you're going to get off. But when he gets up to testify, he's going to have a whole bunch of things to put on display and to say, let me give you exhibit A. He lied just yesterday. 
He will say, Exhibit B, he thought thoughts that wasn't becoming of a Christian. In Exhibit C, he stole something he thought no one, and he puts on display proof after proof after proof that you are guilty, and when it's all over, you've lost all hope that you're innocent because you know he, the prosecuting attorney is doing an incredible job to present the case that you are guilty. Now, the devil loves doing that to us, doesn't he? He wants to tell you how vile you are. But let me tell you something. The good news is, is that when that verdict is over with, that's what the Holy Spirit does. But he don't leave us there. We're guilty, and that's what he wants us to see. Listen, you can't get saved if you don't realize you're guilty. And when we stand before God and we think we're okay, we're good old people, and, 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 and God will let us in. God's just a good old God. He'll let us in. No, but when the Holy Spirit comes and shines and exposes the sin in our heart, all of a sudden we realize, I'm filthy before God. What am I going to do about it? And then he shines the Savior and says, there's your redemption. It's made available for you. We see that he exposes and brings to light. We see this picture, a beautiful picture of how he exposed the men who thought they were self-righteous. They thought that they were better than this woman, this adulterous woman. And we see in John chapter 8, a lot of, boy, John's a good chapter. It's a really good book. It's a really good book. We're going to look at a lot of John today. But I just want you to see, we see that these men are standing there and they're going to, they're getting ready to stone this woman. She's caught right in the act. Boy, she's guilty. And was she guilty? Absolutely, she's guilty. She deserved, does the law say that she needs to be stoned? Absolutely, but we're sitting here with a Savior that's getting ready to reveal to these men, you're no different, you need a Savior as much as she does. And so they're standing there getting ready to throw the rocks. They got them in their hands. They're sitting there with hate looking at her, you, you filthy thing, Let me. T- we're going to kill you right now. And they're getting ready to, st- uh, and he's down on the ground and they're telling him what they're getting ready to do. And he stands up and this is what he says when he stands up. Verse 8 says, and again he, after he, he stood up. What do you, actually, I didn't have this in here. He says, whoever's guilty, whoever's innocent, you throw the first stone. Whoever's in this group, yes, yes, Wall says she be, should be stoned. I'm not going to tell you not to do it. Go right ahead. But whoever has never sinned, you do it first. You throw the first rock. Well, some of them sitting there in their minds say, well, I don't think I'm too bad. And they're trying to justify. Well, Jesus fixes that for them. Here we get to see how the Holy Spirit works. And Jesus stepped, stooped down. And he wrote on the ground. We don't know what he wrote. Many people, I think, I love this one. Many people think he started writing sins. Lust. Theft. Liar. And all of a sudden people, and whatever else they had done the night before, all the things they had done, you know, all these things that the Word of God, the, the Ten Commandments says is wrong, and all coveting and all these, he's writing these words, and every one of these men, they said, what's he writing? Liar disqualifies me and he drops his rock and the next one <laughs> lust oh. and he drops his before it's over with every single person walks out of there why is that verse 8 tells us and when they heard it they which heard it being what convicted convicted by their own conscience what was it? was that just happened on their own no the holy spirit shone a light in her heart revealed the sin in her own self and they seen they were just as vile as she was and it says they went out one by one beginning at the illness even to the last and jesus was left alone the only righteous one the only righteous one and the woman standing in the midst and we see that he had mercy on her told her to go and sin no more right she didn't get off 
She had to repent. She knew she was guilty. And because of that, there was forgiveness. So we see that he brings things to light. Thank God he don't let us just keep living a lie. And so he exposes things in our heart. And so we see that's the, the Spirit exposes sin. The Holy Spirit uh, convicts heart by also the greatest sin is not murder. It's not adultery. It's not lying. It's unbelief. The spirit of unbelief that people cannot believe that Jesus is the, 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 the Savior, the Son of God. It says in verse 9 of sin, watch it, it gives a little its own commentary. Because they believe not on me. Why is this the most severe? Why is this the worst one? Because that one sin right there, that one thing, if you don't do it, you cannot be saved. That one thing is what causes people to go to the depths of sin. Why? Because they don't see their need for a Savior and they don't accept Him as their Savior. They reject Him and they reject Him. How many times were you like me that over and over again you pushed Him back a little bit longer, hoping for another day? Oh, thank God that He saved me in time before because I had friends that went into eternity lost and I knew it could have been me. And so thank God that I accepted him and many of you have accepted him. And today, the sin of unbelief that we don't accept him and he presents, there's nobody that can say they don't. I mean, the Lord reveals so many times in our lives, everyone in this room, no doubt, the Spirit has revealed to you that, that you need a Savior. And he says, why has the Holy Spirit come? So that people can realize that I'm the Savior and they need to quit rejecting me, but they need. And what happened? Why did... These men that crucified him, these religious men, the people that everybody looked up to with all the religious right answers, they rejected him as the Savior. They couldn't believe it. He is not the Savior. This is not who we're looking for. They rejected him. And we're going to see many people that stood in that crowd that said crucify him very shortly thereafter was convicted because of what they had done and they revealed. So he shows unbelief. Why do they do that? How does people not believe that Jesus is? How can they not see? We see it clearly, right? We see that the Lord is God, and we see that we need Him as a Savior, but there's people that can't. Why? Because their eyes are blinded. We see that Ephesians 4, 18 and 19 says, Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. I'm not going to read 19. I put it up there. But because of the blindness of their heart. Amen. Garrett, you're doing a good job. I just uh, threw an extra verse in there. Uh, but we see that. Why does people not believe? Because the devil blinds their hearts that they can't see. Not only they can't see their own sin and that they're a sinner. And they can't see then who their Savior is. Because if you don't see that you need a Savior, you won't even see Jesus Christ. There is something that happens when the Holy Spirit starts working in lives. R.A. Torrey was a pastor of Moody Church, and he's a great, powerful preacher on the Holy Ghost, actually. He was, man, he's got a bunch of old books on the Holy Spirit, and boy, they'll stir you up. And he tells him one of his stories in one of the books that talks about that he had at that time 25 members. This is, a, I can imagine, it's hard to get four or five board members now, but he had 25 members that met every Friday night to look at the business of the church. And the thing that they would look at was what, who did they need to help and who did they, what situations are risen in this big church that they need to deal with. And they, got, they were going over things regularly and they eat together and they just kind of planned out the next week of what situations were coming up. One of the little elderly men that was, had such wisdom and insight into spiritual things 
says, man, let me tell you something. I'm, I'm a little stirred. Let me tell you what's bothering me. He says, we're having all kinds of people get saved. We're having all kinds of people come to church. But I don't feel that we, that the Holy Spirit is able to do what he wants to do the way he wants to do it. I feel like there's been a hindrance to the moving of the Holy Spirit the way it should be. And he says, brothers, I encourage us not to even finish business tonight. And that we go to prayer and ask God, God, move. Let your Holy Spirit be unhindered and start moving in our church. And he says, I even encourage us that not just tonight, but maybe several nights that we come and pray and ask God to have us. And they did that. They did exactly that. They shut down their meeting. They, instead of trying to figure out exactly what to do, they just went to prayer. And they started calling like we're doing. Calling out God. Lord, let your spirit move. And they didn't do it, just do it one night. Several nights in a row, they kept calling. And Sunday night came around again. As Pastor Tory was sitting there preaching, he said he noticed to the front left of the, uh, his pulpit on the front row was a man that he knew to be a professional gambler. And this man was sitting there and he said he noticed that everything he said, this man's on the edge of his seat. He's fixated on every word that's coming out of his mouth. And when service is over with, they, he came up to him and talked to him. And he says, brother, I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm, a ma- I'm in a mess. I'm in a mess. And he says, tell me about it. What, what are you talking about? What's going on? He said, I, I, I've never been in church before. I don't, even, I don't even know what I'm doing. He says, but let me tell you something. I, I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm a professional gambler. And he says, I was going down the street the other day. This was years ago. Walking down the street, there was an outside. It was a ministry of this church. Uh, an outside open air meeting going on. And I seen as I walked by someone who I used to associate with. And he's sitting in that meeting. And I thought, well, maybe I should go in there. And I sat down for a few minutes. And, it, and, and I just got up and thought, well, this isn't for me. And I walked away and I got down the street And he said all of a sudden something started stirring inside of me And he said I thought I need to go back And so he went back and they were finishing up the service And someone there and maybe even the same guy says You need to come to church tonight And he came back and he says I've been sitting here And I'm hearing what you're saying And he says brother He said he's, he's quivering, he's shaking, he's a mess And he said I don't know what's going on with me I'm a wreck, I don't know what's happening to me And and R.A. Torrey was able to say Brother I can tell you exactly what's going on in you The Holy Spirit has got a hold of you and you're convicted by the Holy Spirit and you need to give your heart and life to the Lord. He says he got down on his knees and a man who'd never been in church one time in his life, all of a sudden tears are flowing down his face and he gloriously gives his heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ and he walks out a brand new man. What was the difference? It was the drawing of the Holy Spirit, the exposing of our hearts to the Holy Spirit. You can go down the road and you can be blinded to what's really in our hearts. We convince ourselves that we're okay. It's only the Holy Spirit that can reveal what's truly hidden inside of our heart. We can blind our own selves. We can think that we're better than we are. So the uh, Holy Spirit also convicts of exposing self-right. We have, you know, can you imagine people that go to church, we could be self-righteous. We think we're better than we truly are sometimes. I mean, can you believe your pastor could ever think he's better than he probably is? Many times, okay? Many times this has happened. It says in verse 10 of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. These men hung up our Savior as guilty, as unrighteous. In fact, Scripture says anyone that's hung on a tree is cursed. He can't be righteous. He can't be God's son. He's hung on a tree. Look at us. He's not like us, like that, that Pharisee that stood there and smote his breast and said, thank God I'm not like that, that tax collector, that publican, because it's a sinner. Thank God that I do all these wonderful things. 
And the scripture says that he was the one that needed to call out for mercy. This man knows what he's doing. He's crying out for mercy before God. And so the Holy Spirit will convict us and show us that we need a Savior. When he exposes sin in our heart, all of a sudden, there's nothing we can do to fix it ourselves. But we have to. And so once we see we're a sinner, we're looking, what are we going to do? And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit reveals there's a Savior ready to pray your price. Paul, if any man had it together, we would think. Wrote most of the New Testament. What a mighty man of God was Paul. And Paul quickly realized his righteousness. He couldn't stand on it. He wanted not his righteousness but the Lord's. Philippians 3 verse 8 says, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. I give it all up. Nothing is worth anything other than going to Christ. And here he says in verse 9, And be found in him... Having not mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable in his death. What is it? He realized, I'm doing everything that I think is right, and it's nothing. It's only when we have the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So he realized he couldn't depend on his own righteousness. You can't either. I can't either. We see that. And, and here's, here's the reason we can know that. Uh, uh, we see in Matthew 5.20 that our righteousness is, is insufficient. It says, For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Well, when these original readers heard that, they thought, whoa, wait a minute, whoa, these are the people that's above it. These are the people that's, that's tithing everything right down to the last little uh, piece of fruit that they've got. They're, they're doing everything perfect, and you're telling me we got to be better than them. And they say, how am I going to do it? I can't. We see another verse that tells us the same thing. Matthew 5, 48 says, But ye be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. In this, this morning, maybe someone here could raise their hand and say, I got it down, I'm perfect. But not me. I can't do it. Paul said, I can't do it. In fact, none of us can do it. In fact, Isaiah tells us about that when he says our righteousness is as filthy rags, right? Our, our righteousness, the best that we can do is nothing. So what are we going to do? If we need righteousness to make it to heaven and God wants us to be perfect, how do we do it? Because we are, God displays the righteousness of His Son, Jesus Christ, and He makes it available to you through His Son. And the only way we're able to see that is through the Holy Spirit. The only way we're able to see our insufficiency in his, in last, and, and this is actually, this is just the end of one. I'm sorry. It gets quicker. So the third one is the Holy Spirit convicts not only of sin, not only of uh, righteousness or exposes righteousness, but he exposes coming judgment. Do you know judgment is coming? First of all, Satan has been judged. Verse 11 says of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Satan, on the day that Christ was crucified, he was joyous. He was proclaiming to the rest of his demonic forces, See, I told you we could do it. I told you we beat him. We beat him, we beat him. We beat him, at the, we beat him in Eve, or Adam and Eve in the garden, and we beat him again. We're gonna, we took him down. This is the Son of God. We did it. We're victorious. Not knowing that he sealed his own fate, thinking he was victorious. Satan is already judged. John 12, 31 tells us, Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. He lost 
his authority. He lost the keys to death, hell, and the grave on Calvary's tree. And so he was judged. When Christ rose from the dead, not only did he not realize that every drop of blood that he was giving himself glory over, hitting that ground, that was mine and your salvation being paid for. Hallelujah. Not knowing. Or he would have stopped it. He wouldn't have wanted him to suffer for you and me. And he would have done every. He, would have, he already tried to keep him from raising, and he was unsuccessful. He has no power over our Savior Jesus Christ. He lost. He was judged. There is no hope for him. There's hope for anyone who gives their heart and life to the Lord. But for those who reject him as Savior, they're already judged too. There's hope. But if they go into eternity, they'll be judged. And, and, the, and the, the penalty's already been proclaimed. Romans 6.23, for the wages, the penalty, the payment for sin is death. Not just physical death, but eternal spiritual death. But, thank God. We're, as sinners, we've not been those that haven't given their life. If, you, if you're here or if you're online or, or when we, before we were saved, it, it wasn't. We're sinners and we've rejected him, but there's still hope. That word but means there's hope. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. How do we see that? Through the Holy Spirit revealing him. So we see that one role of the Holy Spirit is to expose sin. Another role is the Holy Spirit guides the saints. He guides us. He's our guide. We need him to guide us today. Verse 13 says, How be it when he, the spirit of truth, has come. He will guide you, how? Into all truth. For he will not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, who from? The Lord Jesus Christ. That shall he speak, and he will shew, show you things to come. Oh, we serve a, a Savior who didn't leave us alone, but he gives us the Holy Spirit that he can reveal to him what to say to us and give us help. He guides us with how? With truth. In this age of misinformation, this, this, this term that we'd never heard before four years ago, this fake news that we've heard so many times now, and, and, I, don't, and I don't care what side of the camp you're on, you realize it's true now. You realize there's a lot of misinformation that's going out to serve a whole lot of purposes. And you don't know who to believe, do you? You don't know who to believe. We don't know what's really, we don't know how bad things really are. We don't know what's going on really in behind closed doors. We don't know who's making deals. We don't know what the outcome's going to be. We don't have an idea. We, try, we don't know who to listen to. But there's one that we can know. And the Holy Spirit is the one who reveals him. It is Jesus Christ, the only one that is the truth. John 14, 6. We've looked at this many times. Jesus said this unto them. I am the way, what? The truth. And the life, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. You want to know the truth, you go to the Lord. He'll reveal it to your spirit through the Holy Spirit. So he gives us and guides with truth. What else does he guide with? Guides with, he gives you wisdom. He'll give you, how many needs wisdom on a daily basis? Are you making any decisions? Do you got big things coming up in your week? Do you have things that's going on in your life and you're saying, God, what am I going to do? Well, the Holy Spirit, the Lord says, I will use him as wisdom in your life. Wisdom of revelation sometimes. Things you don't know. Thank God for that. 1 Corinthians 2, 13 and 14 says, Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but when which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. 
He's saying here that the Spirit will reveal things to you that your human mind would never be able to understand. He'll reveal things, cautions, wisdom, direction, things in your life that you would never know in yourself. If the Holy Spirit ever gave you a caution about something, you couldn't understand why. You just felt like, man, I don't know if I should be doing that or not. I don't know if I should be hanging out with that person. I don't know if I should make this deal. I don't know if I should do this or that. And the Holy Spirit maybe reveals to you some things. I've had him do it. I've had people offer me business deals. And from the very get-go, I felt the Spirit say to me, run. <laughs> Don't do it. I had nothing I could point at other than a feeling that the Spirit gave me that shut a door and my spirit says, no. Big stop sign. Don't do it. Why? The Spirit can speak to you and give wisdom and revelation in your life. And there's nothing you can do in yourself to understand it. It's only as we have that revelation, that receiver that's able to hear from the Lord. He'll give you direction not only today, but tomorrow and the rest of your life. We see that he did that in Philip. Philip's life is sitting there. We read about this. He's, he's preaching. The revival's going great. And he's, doing, he's writing the plan of God. And God's using him. And if he kept on going, he would even... And, he, and, and yes, in his own mind, he would have just kept right on going, doing what he wanted. But the Spirit said to him and led him and told him to go to a place that was in the wilderness. It was out in the middle of nowhere. What are you doing, Lord? What do you mean? Are you that you? What are you saying? Go to the wilderness, to this crossroads where there is nothing. I mean, my goodness, I'm in revival, and you want me to go to the wilderness. Is that you, God? And God draws him out, and he doesn't realize till he gets there. When he gets to that exact spot, there is an Ethiopian eunuch with this really, I can imagine, I was trying to imagine, it was a, it'd be like a modern-day limousine. Sitting there, just people waiting on him, and a really nice chariot. He, this is a big high public official. And he's reading the book of Isaiah. He's got a look on his face that says, what am I reading? He's looking at it like this. You know, he's frustrated. He wants to know. He's hungry. He came to worship. He'd been in the temple. He had been worshiping. And so Philip gets there at the exact moment the Holy Spirit leads him, and he hits that intersection at the exact moment he should, and he runs over to him. And he says, understand what thou readest? How can I unless the man explain it to me? I haven't got a clue. And he says, can you help me? Absolutely. Come on up here. And he sits up there and he sees where he's at in the world. And the spirit who gives us the word of knowledge, not only to be there at the right time, but he gives him exactly what to say. And he preaches from that point forward all the way through to Christ coming on the cross and offering. And all of a sudden, this man is glorious saved. This man, Philip, impacted a nation. This man went back, and they say, history says he went back and become the first missionary to Ethiopia. This, a nation was impacted because one man said, Holy Spirit, whatever you tell me, even if it don't make sense, you know everything, you have revelation, I'll follow you. And he did. And then he takes him right there, he don't miss a beat. He's translated right back where he wants him at. He puts him right where he wants Did he miss anything? No. He, got him. he did more doing what God said than he would have ever done on his own. So in your life, whatever you need in Revelation, you can trust the Holy Spirit. He'll give it to you. So he'll give you wisdom. He also will give us, and it's not in this verse, but you've got to talk to the Holy Spirit. You've got to come back. You've got to come back to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, because he, not how does he guide you? He guides your life with power. It says in verse 1, and now I'm going to read that one. Verse 8 says, but ye shall receive power. Power. 
uh, dunamis. After the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses. That power is going to make you something you weren't before. You're going to be able to witness and proclaim boldly unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. Hey, whatever you want, God, I'm ready. Now, a minute ago, I wouldn't have said five words, but all of a sudden, whew, something got inside of me. and Man, I'm bold now. Why? The Holy Spirit gives power. He gives you wisdom. He gives you power. He gives you direction. He shows you the truth. And then finally, so we see the last one, the last one. And, and we see that the Holy Spirit has the role to expose sin. Thank God we need Him to expose sin now more than ever in our nation. We can't keep going this way. He's got to expose sin that's in hearts. He also guides the saints. Another rule, He glorifies the Savior. He brings glory not to Himself, but to the Savior, Jesus Christ. 14 says, And He shall glorify Me, being Jesus Christ. For He shall receive of Mine. He shall receive of Me. I'm going to give it to Him, and He'll show it unto you. That's what He says He's going to do. He's going to point toward Me. Christ is glorified when the Spirit reveals Him. People can't see Jesus unless the Spirit reveals Him and their need for Him. We see that in John uh, chapter 15, verse 26 says, But when the Comforter is come, who I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. He's going to lift me up. He's, what happened when they put him on that cross? Jesus was lifted up. Just like that serpent in the wilderness that when they were bit with serpents, that pole was raised with that serpent on it. And as, as he was lifted up, as he was, the serpent was revealed, everyone that looked upon that servant, a serpent was healed. Jesus Christ is lifted up even today. Many want to reject him. Many say he's not the only way. Many says you can get to God any way. You, and more even than that are saying there is no God. 20, I seen a statistic last night. 26% of, uh, of Americans supposedly from this poll, misinformation, no doubt. 26% say that they don't even believe there is a God. That there is no Jesus Christ. You lift up whatever you want to. He is not the Savior. But we see here. That it says here that he will be lifted up and the Holy Spirit will testify of him and that people will be able to see the Savior. I'm almost finished. We see that. I, I was thinking, I was reading through this, but I, and I, can't, I can't find exactly that it, it says uh, everything that I can imagine. Sometimes you know things happen. You just know. You can read the scripture. You can read behind the, you know there was conversations that happened. Well, I was thinking about talking about pointing to the son. Eliezer was the servant of Abraham who was tasked with a pretty big task to go get Isaac. Don't you dare let him marry someone that my people. God's got a call on his life and you go find his, go back to his family, this big journey and God will open a way and God will, he didn't tell him how to do it. You go and God will open the door. What if they don't? Abraham, what if they don't? What if nobody will come back with me? What if I can't find who you're looking for? Then God will release you. I'll release you of that. It's you, but God will go before you. God will take care. And he did. He did. As soon as he gets there, he lays a fleece out. He comes to the well. And what do we see? He, say, he says a prayer. Lord, let the person that comes to me and offers not to only give me, it's the hot of the day, and what, not only give me a drink, but something really abnormal. Can you imagine what a camel drinks? And he's got more than one. He's got several. And so we see that, he, that he's standing there, and this girl comes and can tell he's thirsty. And he, she offers him a drink. And then she says, and not only will I give you to drink, I'll water all your camels. I'll do it over and over and over again. So God, that little fleece was God's test. And then when he asked her questions, he found out, wow, this is Abraham's family. 
wow, this is the very, this is the, oh, the Lord's been, was this a coincidence? Was this just a coincidence? No, 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 no. God, get with divine direction and, and, the, and God's power is leading him right where he needs to be. And we see that he tells her, he puts bracelets on her hands. He, he's blessing her and he's telling her, oh, my, my master's son, he's the, the, my master, he's, he's got a lot of wealth and he's been blessed and, and I've come to bring back a bride. Now, she, she starts, long story short, she starts, he starts this long journey back. And, and it doesn't record their conversation. But I can imagine some of the questions. Is, is, he, is he a handsome-looking man? Oh, let me tell you about him. He's the most handsome. Is he a kind person? Oh, he, he treats me like I'm a, somebody in the family. And, and, and is, is he loving? Oh, I'm not, he starts telling, no doubt, he's not talking about himself. He's not having chit-chat about himself on the way back, but he's telling about this soon-to-be bride with her groom, and she's telling him about it so that whenever they get back, why, she's already smitten by him, and she's never laid eyes on this guy. Why? Because he's been telling her about it. He's been pointing to this son that she's coming back. And when they get in the field and she sees him, he's coming and says he went out to meditate in the field. God brought him out at the right time, and she sees him from a distance and says, Who is that coming? She sees him, and I think there's... I, she sent him before the servant, evidently, because she says, Who is that coming? And she's looking for him, and she's probably thinking, Oh, you've told me so much about him. I think I know that's him. I think that's him right there. Is that him right there? Oh, that's my master. Yes, that's my master. And she covered her face. Oh, what a love relationship they had. It was perfect from the very beginning. It was just a, a storybook wedding right there. Why? Because he pointed to the son. She, he told her so much about the son. Isn't that what the Holy Spirit does for the son of God? He points at him. He shows us things. He reveals things to us. And he tells us not only that, but he tells us of the things that the Spirit, this is closing, that he has for you and I. Verse 15 says, All things that the Father hath are mine, speaking of Jesus. Everything God has, I'm part of that Godhead. Everything he has, it's mine too. And therefore said I, he, the Holy Spirit, shall take of mine. He's going to take those things that's already mine. And he will shew, he's going to give it to you. Make it available to you. All the blessings. All the goodness. All the wonderful things that God wants to do. He's made available. He's going to take what I say and all the wonderful blessings. And he's going to make them available to you. Hallelujah. So that the Holy Spirit glorifies the Savior. And isn't that what God wants your and my life to be for others? As the Spirit reveals these things, as the Spirit exposes sin, as the Spirit guides our life, as the Spirit glorifies the Son in our lives, then He wants us. His purpose is that we then use those things to also glorify the Son and, and so that the Lord is able to move in other people's lives, so that the Spirit is able to draw in others' lives. So there is a important roles. That, and there's more things, but these are the main ones in this text that shows, summarizes the wonderful things that the Spirit wants to do in our lives. Now, we can accept those things. We can desire those things. Or we can just say, well, we're really okay the way we are. I want the Holy Spirit to have His way, right? In your life, don't you want? I want revival. I want revival. I want Him to expose what He wants to. I want Him to guide my and your all's every step. I want Him to do some mighty things. We talked last week about expanding our boundaries and blessing us and His hand to be upon us. and to keep. You know how He does that? Through the Spirit. Through the Spirit. 
So this morning, as we go to prayer, we are going to call out on God. And Lord, let your Holy Spirit come alive in this hour. Lord, let your Holy Spirit not be hindered, not be grieved, because we've grieved it. I don't mean Morse Creek necessarily, but our nation has grieved the Spirit. Grieve the Spirit because we've rejected Him and turned back from the things that He's been trying. And the Lord wants to be able to move through the Spirit. And when He does, He'll be able to draw our nation back toward Him. And that's what we need. It's nothing you can do or I can do. It's only through the power of the Spirit of God that's able to draw back and draw spirits and souls back to Him and, and, and to reveal hidden sin within our hearts. So stand this morning. We're going to ask the Lord to have His way. We're going to ask the Lord to move in, in this morning, in this, in this altar, this morning. Heavenly Father, we come before you. We thank you, Lord, that you didn't leave us comfortless, Lord. You didn't just leave us without a comforter. You didn't just leave and go back and leave us with instruction. But God, you gave us the power to be able to live before you. To, Lord, to be able to see when we do wrong, to convict us. God, to see that we're insufficient in ourselves and to... God, call out for your righteousness, Lord, and, and to, Lord, that you're able to completely cover us with your righteousness. Yeah. Almighty God, you want to give us instruction and direction. God, you want to reveal, and God, you want us to glorify you, Lord. And that's all through the power of the Spirit. God, I pray this morning that, God, you would move this morning with the power of your Spirit. God, that you would push back, Lord, anything that exalts itself, Lord, above you. And, God, that you would move not only in this church, but in this county, and Lord, this community, and this state, and God, this nation, and God, that you would flow over the boundaries of this nation and to the whole world, that you would be lifted up. The Holy Spirit would be able to lift you up, God, that we would see that not only we're a sinner, but you're our Savior. God, do that today. Almighty God, do that today. Have your way. God, convict Holy Spirit. Guide Holy Spirit. Lord, lead Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Keep your heads bowed for just a moment. I just want to ask you, I just want to, I don't want to go past this because the, the Holy Spirit, the number one thing, the reason He's came, it says that we would uh, that people would call on Him as Savior. There could be someone in our midst this morning and you're willing to say, I, I'm, He's not really the Savior of my life. I, I keep pushing Him down the road a little bit and I keep waiting for that right moment and today is that day that the Lord will save you and He wants you to completely surrender to Him. Don't leave here today unless you know for sure that if the Lord come back before you walk out the back door that your heart and life is completely surrendered to Jesus Christ don't guess about it, know it because you can know it this morning and this morning no one's looking but me and I pray this morning if that's you this morning if you would just raise your hand and put it down pray for me brother because I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm a Christian that I've given my heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ if that's you this morning then this morning could be the day of your salvation it doesn't save you raising a hand but it just lets me know pray for this person God move this morning anybody this morning here in this place God stir in your heart God stir in your heart and you're willing to say, God, save me. Do a work in my life this morning. Oh, I need you this morning. Anybody this morning. Hallelujah. 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 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, move with your spirit, Lord, even online. God, that you would move, that you would draw, that God, instead of just getting uncomfortable, Lord, mighty God, and just pushing you away, pushing you down the road, that God, we would, God, make up a resolve that says no longer. God, i got to know you, God, without a shadow of a doubt. I've got to know you beyond anything else. And God, your spirit is here to move. Your spirit's here to reveal. Your spirit's here to work. God, but we've got to do the, we got to let you do the work, oh God. Hallelujah. Just one more moment. Anybody this morning, before we move on, you're willing to say, pray for me, brother. Pray for me. I need him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Even those that watch, God touch their hearts and move this morning. Hallelujah. Now this morning, you may be willing to say, I want him to have, I want the fullness of the spirit. I want him to have full control. I want him to have every part of me. I want him to be able to not only reveal things in my heart that he wants to change, but I want him to guide me. I want him to lead me. I want him to cause my life to bring glory to the Son. If that's you this morning, would you raise your hand and say, here I am, Lord, here I am. Use me, have your way. Yes, in my life, have your way, Almighty God. This morning is Priscilla Place. This offer, this altar is a place to come and say, Here I am, Lord, right here, right here in my life. God, let your spirit move. God, let your spirit have its way. Almighty God, let your spirit, God, change me like never before. This, this is a place for us to come. And an altar is a place of surrender. An altar is a place of where we die to ourselves. An altar is a place where we come and lay before God everything and surrender to Him. And here this morning, this altar is open for those who says, God, I want more. God, I need more. God, I need you more than ever before. Have your way, God. Have your way. Have your way. Hallelujah. Almighty God, move, Lord. Move, God. Move with your power. Move with your spirit, God. Move in this place, holy God. Move, God. Feel every heart. God, feel every single heart this morning with your glory, with your presence, God. Lord, with your spirit, God, that, God, you'd be able to reveal in our hearts. God, you'd be able to reveal in our hearts, God, that you'd be able to shine within our hearts, God, with your mighty glory and presence, God, that you would move in such a way. God, we'd never be the same. And, God, not only in our hearts, but, God, that everyone we come in contact with, they would feel your glory and your presence, Lord, would spill out on them. God, they would see their need. God, our family that we're praying for. God, that you would fill us so overflowing with your spirit and presence. That, God, when we get in our midst, God, Lord, that they get around us, God, they feel the glory come upon them. Lord, they see their need for you. Why? Because your glory is within our lives. God, convict this morning. God, change. God, if there's something even in our lives, God, we've made excuses. God, we've just said it's okay. But God, if you don't like it, God, stir us this morning. Reveal this morning, God. Oh, Lord, that God, you would be the most important thing in our life. God, change our lives this morning. God, do a work in our lives this morning. God, let not one soul leave this morning unchanged, God. Don't let there be a doubt. Don't let there be one lie in their mind. Almighty God, but that you would do such a work. God, you would do such a stirring. God, that you would do such a moving. God, that your mighty power would be Lord turned loose in his place. And God, that you would move and blow again. 
Oh, Lord God, the great power would spring forth, God, because of your glory and your power and your spirit, God. Our church needs it. Our families needs it. Our nation needs it, God. And, Lord, we can't do it ourselves. We don't have one thing we can do in ourselves. God, it's only through you. It's only through your power. It's only through your spirit, God, that, Lord, you can turn back. Lord, the wickedness of our nation. It's only through your power, God, that we can see sin as sin again. Almighty God, stir your churches. Stir your people. Start here today, God. Lord, each and every life. Oh, God. Lord, by your power. God, that you would move. God, that you would move. God, you would move. By your power. Almighty God, Lord, that you would move. Oh, God, by your spirit. Almighty God, have your way. Have your way, Lord, right here. Lord, in the altar, pour out your spirit. Pour out your power. Lord, let us leave different than we came. Oh, God, stir, God, stir, Lord. Pour out your spirit. We need you, Lord. We need the abundance of your presence. We need your direction. We need your strength. We need your revelation. We need the hope to know you have every detail of our life in your hands, almighty God. And if we'll listen to you, if we'll surrender to you, God, you give us direction, oh God. It starts as a surrendered life right now. It starts right now everything to fall before you.